Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our special guest is Greg Baylor. He's with the Alliance for Defending Freedom, where he is the director for Center for Religious Schools and Senior Counsel for Government Affairs. If you remember, Greg was with us several months ago talking about the Equality Act. Today, we're going to be talking about the Fairness for All Act, the new bill being put out by the Republican senator out of Utah, and he's got some people with him, uh, called Fairness for All. So I want to get into that and how it's really not fairness for anybody. So we talked earlier, Greg, um, about the Equality Act. And just as a recap to people, what was the Equality Act and, and how did that go? Yeah. Well, thanks, Deacon Jeff, for having me back on your show. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, the Equality Act, as we discussed before, the first thing to say about it is it's one of the biggest assaults on religious freedom in American history. What it does is that it essentially puts the federal government, all the force and the power of the federal government behind radical sexual ideology. It elevates sexual orientation and gender identity to protected class status in virtually every civil uh, federal civil rights laws. And of course, as you and your listeners know, the federal government is involved in a lot of things, and all of those things are covered by this Equality Act. Now, maybe we can talk a little bit specifically about what it does. So let's take some of these civil rights acts that already exist. Back in the 60s, the Congress passed and the president signed the Civil Rights Act of 1964, a very famous piece of legislation that was primarily responding to the, uh, the situation for African Americans in the United States. They were being denied jobs because of their race. They were being denied access to you know, things like hotels and restaurants when they were traveling, uh, 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 just simply because of their race. This is what the Civil Rights Act was about. Yes, it included other protected characteristics, including national origin and in some instances sex and religion, but that was its primary motivation. Now, fast forward to, to 2019, and it's almost, in a sense, not quite the culmination, but the, you know, the, a, the, the, the culmination in some sense of a long process by the LGBTQ plus advocacy community to add sexual orientation and gender identity to sort of the pantheon of protected classes in various civil rights laws. So you've got it added to sexual, or I'm sorry, you've got it added to Title II of the Civil Rights Act, sorry to get into the weeds a little bit, but that's the law that says, look, if you're running a business that affects interstate commerce, like those hotels and restaurants in the South in the 1950s and 60s, not only do you have to not discriminate on the basis of race, but you have to, now sexual orientation and gender identity are part of that law as well. Employment, adding sexual orientation gender identity, SOGI as it were, to the law that bans employment discrimination. Uh, perhaps the most significant piece of the Equality Act. There is a law right now, part of the Civil Rights Act, called Title VI, which adds a non-discrimination string to every single dollar of federal financial assistance that flows out from Washington, D.C. Well, as we all well know, that's a lot of folks. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people getting... It's, well, almost, it's going to touch everybody whether they know it or not. That's right. Right. Well, just, a, just one example of that 
is America's public schools and most of America's uh, uh, higher education system. They're all recipients of federal financial assistance. And that brings us to an important question that maybe we should get into. What does it mean when government says no discrimination on the basis of gender identity? It means quite a bit. That's probably worth something that, that we could talk about. Well, and that's that's the point, right? I mean, you mentioned the Civil Rights Act, which was a big issue in the 60s and, and had to be addressed. Uh, but what they're doing now is really trying to address a non-issue, right? They're trying to shoehorn this in to the Civil Rights Act when, in reality, the, the problems that they're talking about are like apples and oranges compared to what the African-Americans had to face back in segregation and back, you know, in the 1960s, uh, you know, kind of how you related it to it. So, you know, the Equality Act was passed by the House of Representatives this year. Every Democrat voted for it. Uh, a couple of Republicans did. So now it all of a sudden becomes bipartisan when you when you yeah. read about it. Um, it's not going to go anywhere in the Senate because the Democrats don't control the Senate. Correct. But so all of a sudden we have Chris Stewart, Republican representative out of Utah, who decides, hey, we need to come up with an alternative that gives very limited religious protection called Fairness for All Act. And he's got a few people to sign on for it. But in reality, he is he's coming up with almost like the Utah Compromise for the United States, which the Utah Compromise was a bad deal. You're giving up something and there's no reason to. You're basically uh, watering down the truth so that you can somehow be protected if you're in a church or you're in a, a you know, religious nonprofit. I, I think you've described it exactly right. Um, uh, it, there is no comparison whatsoever between the situation for L- people who identify as LGBTQ in the United States in 2019 and this the situation being experienced by African Americans in the United States in the 50s and the 60s. Um, it's interesting when folks were lobbying for the Equality Act, they would often cite general principles like there shouldn't be discrimination in employment instead of pointing to scores and scores and scores of examples of people who've been mistreated, who've been treated unjustly, and thus justifying a law that would add sexual orientation and gender identity. What we've seen in states that have so, geez, is that these laws are used not to prevent unjust uh, treatment of LGBT people, because it's really, frankly, not that much of that going on, certainly compared to the situation of African Americans uh, uh, in the past and to, and to a lesser extent, but an important extent even now. Um, what we find is that those laws are being used to punish people who dissent from the prevailing orthodoxy. We have Jack Phillips, the cake artist. We have Baronel Stutzman, the florist. And it goes on and on. That's what those laws are really all about. And I think even at the federal level, the congressional Democrats, again, with a handful of Republicans who passed the Equality Act, I think they're motivated mostly by the symbolism of adding, elevating SOGI to protected class status. It makes a statement about who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. And to be uh, candid, I think that they like the scenarios that, that Jack Phillips suffered and Baronel Stutzman suffered, they've said very clearly that individuals like that who serve everyone but just can't create all messages shouldn't be allowed 
to follow their conscience and, uh, in their words, defy a, a non-discrimination law. So the motivation of it, I think, is important. If it were really the case that there was widespread in, uh, injustice being perpetrated against people uh, because of their uh, identity or their attractions or the, or the condition that they have, gender dysphoria, you know, we could have a conversation about that, but that's not the case right now. This is more about the symbolism and it's more about uh, punishing dissenters. Well, and you mentioned, you know, Jack Phillips and, and others, you know, whether you're taking pictures or you have a florist or you have a bakery, you know, this Fairness for All Act that came out that's supposed to be so fair would not apply for businesses like that because it doesn't apply for businesses, as my understanding, that have few, 14 or fewer employees. So they're leaving these people out to dry anyway. They're not, they're not helping them. There's not fairness for Jack Phillips. Yeah, the way I think about the Fairness for All Act is that it, it creates a bunch of problems. It essentially creates all the problems that the Equality Act uh, uh, creates. And then, and then ex- exempts a handful of people from those problems, and then they call that a victory for religious liberty. Right. Well, I would say it's a victory for religious liberty not to create the problems in the first place. <laughs> uh, don't, use, uh, don't use logic here, Greg. Well, sorry. You know, in Washington, you know, I, I try to avoid it because it probably doesn't work very well. But, you know, right. we're among friends here. Yeah, yeah. We can talk that way. Yeah. No, but it, it really is, I think, an accurate way of, of describing uh, what the bill does. And, you know, there's another motivation behind this as well. The, the, way, the way that the supporters of Fairness for All are thinking is that it is inevitable that the, that the Equality Act or something like it, which is a disaster for real disability, no doubt about it, that it inevitably will become law. That's premise number one, which I disagree with. Number two is the only way to forestall the adoption of the Equality Act is to offer this so-called compromise, to offer this appeasement. It's like sacrificial lamb. Yeah. And the problem with that is, and we've been, honestly, we've been proven right, is not so much that Republicans might not be interested in this sort of concession, this sort of appeasement. I think some of them probably are. We had eight Republicans vote for the Equality Act. Right. Um, So we know about that. But it's that the left and the Democrats will not accept any kind of religious exemptions or protections. That's been true at least since 2014, when all the major gay rights organizations literally withdrew their support of the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, which would have added SOGI to the Title VII, the employment law. They withdrew their support because it had a religious exemption in it. And they've been saying for five years, no religious exemptions, religion can't be a license to discriminate. And the Fairness for All supporters, um, I guess, didn't hear that because that's their stance. And guess what? When Fairness for All was introduced uh, two weeks ago tomorrow, the folks who screamed the loudest about it being a bad bill was not Alliance Defending Freedom, the Catholic Bishops Conference, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, the Southern Baptist Convention, the Heritage Foundation, the Family... Well, no, it wasn't those groups. It was the Human Rights Campaign. Oh, yeah. ACLU put an article out just trashing it. Yeah. And so, I, you know, the, the political calculation... I mean, there's many flaws with the bill, but obviously the political calculation behind it is kind of baffling to me. The idea that the, 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 the folks on the other side of these issues be willing to accept this, uh, it's really, I mean, it, was, it should have been obvious. 
Uh, and it's been obvious for about five years that the reaction that we saw is the reaction that we were going to get. Right. I mean, in the end, the LBGTQ lobby and all those uh, similar institutions want one hundred percent. They they're going for the jugular, and so to come out with something like this, you're almost negotiating against yourself. You're already you're giving up something when in reality they want it all, and it doesn't even make sense. You're why even bother coming out with this? Yeah, I, I, it's it's a little bit baffling to me, and also the timing of the introduction was a little bit surprising too. Kind of on a Friday afternoon, in the midst of all this impeachment stuff that's going on. I mean, it makes me wonder. Uh, what what what's going on? But I I, I guess the theory is that um, you know someday people will realize that this is a good sol- a good solution. But I want to talk about that too. It's not a good solution. I mean, any any so-called compromise, there are losers, and there are way too many losers in the fairness for all bill. I talked before about what does it mean to uh, have a ban on discrimination on the basis of gender identity. It doesn't just mean kind of a like freedom from being, you know, like I'm transgender I, and someone won't hire me because of that. That's, right. Yeah, sure, it means that. But it means a bunch of other things, too. It means imposing affirmative obligations on people who are covered by the law. Uh, for example, a public school district that gets federal financial assistance, which is every public school district in America, will now be required under Fairness for All and just like the Equality Act, to allow biological boys who identify as girls to compete in girls' sports. That is wrong. That is unfair. It denies women and girls opportunities to compete and to succeed. And scholarships. And and get scholarships. Yeah, this is meaningful stuff. These are the people who are being sold out under fairness role. What about medical professionals who have a conscientious or medical of uh, uh, objection in their best professional judgment. They don't think they ought to stick a prepubescent kid full of puberty-blocking drugs and cause sex hormones and performing sex change surgery on them. These, again, are the victims of fairness for all, and it's just a too big of a price to pay, uh, especially when we know that folks on the other side of this issue are not going to be even satisfied with the enormous price of the fairness for all supporters are willing to offer well and in the end look the the gender ideology it's a delusion right it it really is people who need help and they should get the help they need but the help they need is not bashing everybody else so that they all of a sudden uh agree with something that's not true i mean in the end right christ is the way the truth and the life how do you negotiate or how do you uh change or water down the truth and think you're doing something good yeah, I, 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 I have to, an appropriate question to ask. I think, you know, the motivation behind this is very pragmatic, very utilitarian, uh, rather than, you know, kind of motivated into, you know, kind of theologically, theology or Christian anthropology. Um, there's, there's been only a kind of a half-hearted attempt, I would say, to justify this. And, the, you know, the, as you might imagine, there, there's this invocation of broad principles, like we need to love our neighbor, uh, which I agree with, uh, that all people have dignity because they're created in God's image and likeness, which I agree with, of course. But that, it's a, an enormous leap from those statements which are true to now we have to uh, elevate Soji to protected class status. And speaking about our neighbors, what about the people who will suffer under fairness for all, like Selena Sewell, the athlete, the high school female athlete in Connecticut, who, yep. who lost out on an opportunity for her. She's my neighbor, too, and she doesn't deserve to be 
uh, to be treated uh, like this. The, you know, the, one of the unstated assumptions is, of air fairness for all is that it embraces, in the name of pluralism, which is strange to me, it, it embraces <laughs> a completely false understanding of the human person and the distinction between the sexes. And I, you know, I, I don't think the church uh, should be uh, embracing that, uh, even if it, there's some utilitarian, utilitarian calculus that, uh, you know, promises to do something allegedly positive. I just don't think you can go there. Well, and in the end, look, if you really love somebody, you tell them the truth, right? You don't lie to them because you want them to like you. You want what's in their best interest. And what's in all of our best interests is the truth. And so to come up with this is one mind boggling. But then, you know, you see some of the people that are supporting this, right? The Council for Christian Colleges, universities and the National Association of Evangelicals. I mean, it makes no sense. I, I, it, it's mind boggling to me how somebody can know the truth, right? We're created male or female. God doesn't make mistakes. Yet we have these religious entities somehow saying, all right, well, we, we can negotiate that just because we want to be protected to do what we want. And I'm not really worried about Jack the Cape Baker or the student athlete in Connecticut. It's really, I, I'm just kind of covering myself because that's what I'm really worried about. Yeah, I don't think that's an unfair characterization of the bill. Just one note, um, the, the National Association of Evangelicals was identified as a supporter of Fairness for All kind of earlier in the process. Okay. It is my understanding that they know they are not in the Oh, good. Order. Well, I'm glad to hear that, because the articles yeah. I read sh- said the same thing you heard, yeah. Yeah. No, get, getting back to this point of, like, uh, of the truth, uh, I, I think one, uh, I think one of the, the, the victim groups of Fairness Bill and the Equality Act is young people who are experiencing gender confusion. And what Fairness for All and the Equality Act do is they sort of fully embrace the idea that if a child experiences gender confusion, they ought to be immediately affirmed in their mistaken uh, self-perception and put on this kind of medicalized road that leads to sterilization and, in so many cases, unhappiness. Um, The data and stories are starting to come out about what a failure this has been to go put kids and even adults on this pathway. We're hearing more and more about detransitioners, about folks who've gone through a transition process and then they come to regret it. We're learning about how other uh, psychological conditions and problems are, are, are often associated with uh, gender confusion. And if you address those secondary problems or other problems, corollary problems, you probably end up, at least hopefully, addressing the, the, the gender dysphoria as well. Now, this is a serious problem, and children are suffering, and I think Christians in particular should be compassionate towards folks who are experiencing this, this condition. It's not something, I, I don't believe it's something that they choose to experience, and certainly they can choose to you know, follow it to its logical extreme, but in some cases we're talking about children who lack, certainly lack the capacity to make decisions about life-altering decisions about their bodies and about their identities. Fairness for all. This is one one of the more shocking components of fairness for all. It literally forbids um, medical professionals who are receiving federal financial assistance from encouraging gender dysphoric children to to 
uh, resolve the conflict between their bodily reality and their self-perception. And their self-perception. It's illegal. It, it makes you lose your federal funding if you tell a, if you have a counseling session with a professional counselor that says, "What's going on here? Can we fix this?" No. The only acceptable pathway is to affirm, affirm, affirm puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and surgery. That is, to me, one of the worst things about fairness for all. If somebody thought they were fat and they were looked like a skeleton and killing themselves you wouldn't agree with them because their mind tells them that, right? Logic at some point says, let me get you some help. And that's the point that you're talking about now, right? Yeah, you're right. And I, I encourage your listeners, if they haven't already, to take a look at a, uh, a review of the literature by Paul McHugh, who's the famous uh, psychiatrist, uh, yep. academic. Johns Hopkins, right? At Johns Hopkins. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, when he took over that clinic, they were performing the so-called sex change operations. And he had the bright idea of like, hey, let's let's see if this actually helps people. And they did a study of their former patients and found out that they weren't helping people. So he ceased to practice there. And then in uh, more recently, just a few years ago, he and a colleague uh, wrote a, a review of the literature in the New Atlantis that makes all the points that you were just making. I mean, how to think about gender dysphoria really is a species of a broader class of psychological condition called body dysmorphia, which includes anorexia and and others. And when you think about it that way, this is a serious problem of human suffering that is a consequence of the fall, like so much human suffering, that needs to be treated with appropriately with compassion, rather than sort of ideologically driven uh, uh, medicine and sort of politicization of a problem where real human beings are suffering. Well, you know, one of the things that people can do, and I, and I neglected to do this in the beginning when we started talking was, you know, give out your website because, you know, one, you guys are Christian based and, you know, Christ is at the center of what you do, but you're on top of all these things. If somebody wants to stay on top of what's going on and, you know, get a, a realistic, faithful evaluation of something, you know, you guys are real. You know, the Alliance for Defending Freedom are, is where people should go. So, can you give your website and also just let people know some of the things you guys cover so that they know where to go? Sure, I'm going to give you two two websites, bonus websites. Oh wow! Yeah, the, uh, the AD the, in the main Alliance Defending Freedom website is adflegal.org. Adflegal.org. And that gives information about ADF and about all the kinds of cases and legislative matters that we do. We focus essentially on on three issues, religious liberty, marriage and the family, and the sanctity of life. We do it in the United States, and we do it overseas. Uh, We have an enormous training component where we're training lawyers and law students and college students even uh, about the kind of the worldview that underlies the uh, legal and political positions that that we're taking. So ADFlegal.org. We have created, in consultation with a lot of our coalition partners, a separate website for this issue, for Fairness for All, for Equality Act, for sexual orientation, gender identity laws. It's called All for Freedom. Just one word, allforfreedom.com. Allforfreedom.com. And we are continually updating uh, that website with, with essays and with articles and with letters that have been sent to Congress expressing opposition to... Soji bills. I think it's a great resource, uh, and I encourage people to visit it, allforfreedom.com. Well, I, I wasn't aware of that one. I've been writing that one down because 
in in reality this this kind of stuff just keeps happening and happening and happening whether it's stupid bills like this one you know the fairness for all uh you know trying to combat inequality act when actually you're doing nothing but really supporting it i mean there's a lot of things going on that people need to be aware of and I, you know i've heard people tell me you know is this really that big of a deal you know i'm busy i don't have time to look at this stuff and i said you know when you know it all hits the fan then guess what you're going to be too busy to know how to get out of it because you're going to be trapped in it just like everybody else. So these are really important issues that people need to stay on top of. They just can't poo-poo them and, you know, hope everything's just going to go well. Yeah, I, can, I, I very much agree with that, obviously. And, you know, you just look at the ADF website or the All for Freedom website, and I think you'll be immediately disabused of the notion that this is not a big problem. And you're right about being prepared and equipped. Yes, you said earlier that the Equality Act is going nowhere in the Senate because the Republicans control it. But we don't have any guarantee that the Republican Party, which is mostly against all of these things, is going to be in charge of one House of Congress, both Houses of Congress, uh, or the White House forever. So we need to be thinking now, well, what it is that we're going to do um, if, uh, and I hate to be partisan about it, but this is just how it is, Yeah. if the Democratic Party takes control of the House and the Senate, and they have either a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate, or they abolish the legislative filibuster, or they have a handful of Republicans that uh, uh, you know kind of agree with them and get it up to 60 votes. What are we going to do to prevent the Equality Act from becoming law? And we can't start thinking about that when it's too late. So I encourage uh, your listeners to get educated about this and be prepared to engage in political advocacy in a way that they've never done before. We have found, I've learned, I'm more new to the Capitol Hill scene, I've mostly been a litigator for my career, that voices from home matter so much. Yes, a group like ADF can provide some expertise, and yes, they care about what they think, but they care a lot more about the people who can kick them out of office or keep them there. So it doesn't take much to have an influence. Uh, So I would figure out who your congressman is. You probably know who your senators are. And be prepared to communicate with them about fairness for all, about the Equality Act, and really be prepared to take uh, m- more robust measures if we face a situation where the composition of the Congress and the White House is such that the fear of the Equality Act will grow. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And we need to remind everybody to go to Alliance for Defending Freedom. Go to the website that Greg mentioned, because there's a ton of stuff. And then the new website you mentioned as well. So. Greg, thanks again for coming on and, you know, making making sense out of things that don't seem to make any sense. Well, it's always a pleasure, Deacon Jeff, and I, I appreciate so much what you do. 